Today's episode of the NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm, talk to an agent today. You know the risks of driving drunk. There could be a crash. People get hurt or killed. You could get arrested, incur huge legal expenses, and possibly even lose your job. You know the consequences of driving drunk, and you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. It's the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Today we have Roger Sherman with Take Shop, Danny Kelly, the three biggest games of the week, and Chris Ryan on a classic but crappy Cowboys-Eagles clash that will determine the winner of the NFC East. But first of all, we have some breaking news. Tom Coughlin has been fired as executive vice president of the Jacksonville Jaguars in, I think, what we can all agree is one of the most well-deserved firings of the young firing season. There's going to be a lot of these. Tom Coughlin ran the Jaguars into the ground. This is how you do it. I think that Jaguars fans will spend the next, I don't know, five years thinking about how close that team was to the Super Bowl. I was at that game where Blake Bortles went into New England and almost won. And I cannot imagine going from that to where the Jaguars are that quickly. Now, when you have Blake Bortles as your quarterback, things can go south pretty quick. I understand that. But they commit a ton of money to Nick Foles. $22 million next year is the cap hit, 10% of the cap. And then it comes out, well, why do they give Nick Foles so much money? Well, it's because the locker room needed to respect him. That was the take because he didn't, the, the, there weren't bidding against anybody, but the locker room needed to respect him. So we got to give him starting quarterback money. It was, this is not how you run an NFL franchise in 2019. So you compound that with all of the different NFLPA rulings or the, the neutral arbitrator rulings that went against the Jaguars because Tom Coughlin was finding players from man, missing voluntary things and making voluntary things mandatory that he wasn't allowed to do. This just seems like a no brainer. What the Jaguars do. I'm not sure. Dave Caldwell is a holdover, obviously from, from when he was the GM, he's still there. He's reporting to Shad Khan on an interim basis. And I don't know. I mean, they have a lot of work to do. They have a lot of work to do. This is for as much as we talk about the cap being fake and all this stuff. And the fact that it rises $10 million a year. I understand that. This is what happens when you build your team the way the Jaguars did. They built through not only free agency, which I think can be a viable path to contention, but they built through toughness, okay? And that there's something to that, but you cannot take a running back fourth overall in a draft with two future superstar quarterbacks and think that's a good way to build a team. The, at least the Bears took a quarterback when they knew they needed a quarterback. The Jaguars just said, eh, it's fine. We'll let Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson slip. We need Leonard Fournette because we need toughness. I, mean, I just think Tom Coughlin, the, the teams he engineered, the 07 and 2011 uh, Giants that beat the Patriots, two of the, some of the best team building that we saw in the previous decade. So congratulations, Tom Coughlin, on that. But he did not know how to run a modern team in these last couple of years, and that showed. Okay, whether that's a Nick Foles signing, whether that's one of four getting drafted, whether that's getting them into salary cap problems. There was just the, the there were not a whole lot of rational decisions. Compound that with again the fact that he just was giving the franchise bad looks with these grievances. And, you know, this is it. Fresh start in Jacksonville. That's how this works. All right, one more rant really quickly. Uh, it's about the Pro Bowl. I don't want to rant about the particular snubs. I'm not going to get upset over Kirk Cousins not getting in and Aaron Rodgers getting in, or the fact that Julian Edelman not only did not make the Pro Bowl, he has never made the Pro Bowl, or that Dak Prescott didn't make it. There's a lot of things you could jump off, and that's that's not the show. It's not the show I want to do. I want to get angry at the existence of the Pro Bowl and why we need to cancel the Pro Bowl. The reason the Pro Bowl should be canceled is not because of these particular snubs, because there's actually no good way to pick these teams. And then there's a false representation of what this season looked like when you look at the Pro Bowls, okay? Like, the fact that Dak Prescott didn't get in this year, even though he statistically is probably the third best quarterback, 
And we're going to look back on the 2019 season and we're going to see he just didn't make the Pro Bowl. And that's just because that's just in our nature. The same reason that I look at passer rating when we at quarterbacks, because it's the first thing you look at. Oh, how many Pro Bowls do you go to? You judge left tackles. That's all we have to judge left tackles. Every time someone's like Bruce Matthews, it's like, oh, he went to 25 consecutive Pro Bowls because he played for three decades. Like, that's the only thing anybody ever talks about with some of these players. And it's in no way representative of the season. It's unbelievable. It is amazing to me that Julian Edelman might play his entire career and never make a Pro Bowl. I mean, I have similar problems with the MVP in the sense that, you know, Drew Brees will never win an MVP, but that's fine. There were legitimate arguments for most of the years that Drew Brees didn't win the MVP. With Pro Bowls, Matt Stafford is a fifth alternate. What does that mean? What exactly has to happen for Matt Stafford, who's on IR, who's on IR because he's too injured to play. And I've interviewed Matt Stafford. He's one of the toughest guys in football, which means if he's too injured to play, he's really injured. He's the fifth alternate. What has to happen for that to be cashed in? Jordan Poyer from the Bills, fifth alternate. John Brown, fourth alternate from the Bills. This is great stuff. I'm just glad we got everybody. Listen, we can still have a Pro Bowl. We can still go to Orlando and we can have a little barbecue or something. I've been to a Pro Bowl. It's a booze fest. It's a booze fest. You want to see some interesting stuff? Go to a go to a bar near the Pro Bowl or the night before the game. There, there's your there's your interesting stuff. But I just think that from a the problem is the Pro Bowl has become shorthand for who had a good season. And we know now, having seen <laughs> Trevor Simeon decline an invite and Matt Stafford, who can't move as a fifth alternate, I think that we need to sort of retire it as an entity because it's just confusing and muddying the waters for who's good and who's not in 2019. So listen, if we want to do a skills competition, this is my proposal. We'll just do a skills competition. We'll invite whoever wants to come. We won't say who got it. We have the all pro teams. We have the all pro teams to actually sit down and determine who had a good season in 2019. But the shorthand seems to be pro bowlers. I'm okay with that. That's what I did for like 25 years. This guy's a pro bowler. All right. Heinz Ward, excellent pro bowl, pencil him in. But I think that we need to figure this out because it's not, it's not helping anything as far as figuring out who the best and worst players are from a fan's perspective. We got to make it a reality TV show or something like that. Maybe a skills competition. Maybe they compete in like Wipeout. That'd be fun. Producer Craig, this is a great idea. So why don't we have, so I, I think the skills competition is important. I think that people, remember that, that, that uh, pay-per-view last year that was kind of a scam? Remember that one? That way they didn't get the checks on time of the guys who were, uh, it was pay-per-view where the fastest players raced. Oh yeah. yeah. Remember this? Mm-hmm. And then they didn't, I don't, they didn't get their checks on time. I don't haven't checked in if they ever got their checks. Not looking good when, when the, when you don't get the checks on time in the first place, but uh, we could have that. We could have a fastest man competition instead of the pro bowl. We can have quarterback skills competition. We can have all sorts of stuff. We can't do the flag football thing. Cause of the Robert Edwards thing. It's, it's a beach beach football a couple years ago, but there are so many different things we could do that week, that Saturday or that Sunday, whatever. And it w- would not ruin the way we evaluate who's good and who's not in football, because it seems to me that this is just, look, we've known this for a long time. It's like the, the gold gloves in baseball, like some people get penciled in as pro bowlers and they never stop being penciled in as pro bowlers. And then you further confuse that by the fact nobody wants to go. And all of a sudden you have fifth alternates. Do we need like a designated survivor situation for the pro bowl? We have to have it all mapped out to where if four quarterbacks can't go, the designated survivor is the fifth one. We can't even go. Who's the sixth alternate. Do you know who has the most pro bowl selections? There's four people tied for the most. Uh, I'm going to guess it's, so selections. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess one is Tom Brady. Correct. I'm going to guess one is... Sorry, there's five. Oh, there's five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is Daryl Green one of them? No. Uh, I feel like that would maybe, maybe somebody who, who just got in on, you know, 10 straight times just because he, he, he wanted to. All right. <sighs> Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. Yep. Is it Bruce Matthews? Yep. Jerry Rice? No. It's not Jerry Rice. No. Jerry Rice played for 100 seasons. <laughs> he was really good, and he doesn't hold any sort of record. <laughs> he does not. Sorry. Tough beat for Jerry. Reggie White? Nope. Jerry Just, Rice, right, 13 Pro Bowls. It's uh, Tony Gonzalez okay. and okay. Merlin Olsen. Okay. You know what? Gonzalez is okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Is it bad I don't know who Merlin Olsen is? 
Oh my goodness. Uh, it's not bad because you're, you're a millennial, but are you a millennial? Uh, not even yeah. a millennial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Merlin Olsen was actually also a TV star. Your parents might know. We can get them on the pod next week. He was a huge Ram star, but then he, and then he was on all sorts of weird NBC shows. So, so there you there go. You go. Um, so I, this is kind of the point. What, what, the, how, why did Jerry Rice not make more Pro Bowls? He had thir- 13. He was one short. We were so ill-equipped to judge Jerry Rice's career when he played. He never won an MVP. He was constantly complaining about how much attention his quarterbacks got. And I think in most cases, he's probably right. Like he, used to, he had like a kind of a, a rant a little bit one, one year. I remember reading about that where he essentially was like, I don't get enough attention. And he was right. Jerry Rice is one of the best football players of all time. Might be the best. So... I don't know, but now I'm in a Jerry Rice hole. I, this started out with with me trying to cancel the Pro Bowl, and now all of a sudden I'm complaining about Jerry Rice. Not having enough Pro Bowl selections, yeah. Not having enough Pro Bowl selections. <laughs> I've become what I hate. All right, let's get to this week's State Farm Safe Bet of the Week. And now it's time for the State Farm Safe Bet of the Week, the team you can count on. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. I want to talk about a very intriguing matchup between two teams, the Bucks against the Texans this weekend. The Bucks have won four straight games. We're all starting to believe that Jameis Winston can be some sort of competent quarterback. They look like a team that maybe at 7-7 seven and seven can make some noise these last two weeks and, and dethrone a, a contender like the Houston Texans. I don't actually believe any of this. The Houston Texans are a much better team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Deshaun Watson's a much better quarterback than Jameis Winston. We're going to see that this week. DeAndre Hopkins had two massive weeks the last two weeks. He had 120 yards two weeks ago, 119 Last week against the Tennessee Titans, he took over the fourth quarter. There's a reason that Watson and Hopkins are known as probably the most dynamic quarterback and receiver duo in the NFL at this point. And they are much better than a depleted Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiving core with Godwin out, with Mike Evans with a hamstring issue, and Jameis Winston still being Jameis Winston. So this is a Texans team finishing out a pretty nice season against a still bad team. This is a quarterback in Deshaun Watson proving his superiority over a bad quarterback in Jameis Winston. This is a Bucks team coming back down to earth, and this is a safe bet. State Farm, talk to an agent today. Okay, it's time for this week's Take Shop. It's Roger Sherman. Roger, take it away. Pun intended. <laughs> Thanks. I, yeah, I, I, tough one. I think we should just let players vote for the Pro Bowl, and all of their votes should be public. So I ranted on here earlier about how we should just get rid of the Pro Bowl. Yeah, that'd be because, fine too. Because it's an either we're, conflating, or situation. we're conflating the Pro Bowl with something that tells the story of the season and really it's just kind of made up. It's fine. Uh, I agree with that. This is the cousin of the hottest take I did a couple weeks ago with you about how NBA wow. players should call their own fouls because it's funnier if we get to identify the player who keeps, you know, whether that's someone calling a foul on themselves or someone calling a foul on, if James Harden leads the league and foul is called on himself, that's funnier than if Zach Zarba does it, right? Absolutely. So so if Adrian Peterson, we find out not only did he vote for himself, but he voted for the entire Redskins offensive line, that's very funny. I would also say, having seen the NFL 100 list around many locker rooms in the NFL, that this thing sort of thing is very common where people just kind of vote for their buddies. And that's funny too. I wish those votes were public as well. Yeah. uh, I would probably like put in some rules, like you can't vote for your teammates or something like that. But basically I was looking at how this gets done and it's one third media, one third fans and one third players. And I think we're just, it's, we're making this too complicated and more boring in the process. Like it doesn't really tell us, anything it's sort of like mm-hmm. a mix of we're voted like the best and most popular players but not enough of either for it to really tell us which is which so let's eliminate that aspect of it and let's see who players think is good maybe like either you can't vote for yourself or like you can only vote for your uh, players at your position or something like that just to 
mean it so that it means something. Because sometimes I'll be writing and I'll, you know, try and say like this player has been to a Pro Bowl as like um, yeah. a, a meaning of merit, but it it isn't really, is it? Yeah, that that's sort of what I was getting at earlier. Julian Edelman has never been to a Pro Bowl. Does that mean Julian Edelman is not better than all of the crappy receivers who have been to a Pro Bowl? I their fifth. Also, if if the fifth alternates to a Pro Bowl. Also get the name and they yeah. are. Do they are they a Pro Bowl or are they a Pro Bowl alternate? Pro Bowl and, and Mitch do we have Trubisky. To say they're the, uh, do we have to say they're the fifth alternate? No, that, we just say alternate. I think we should get to say fifth Pro Bowl alternate Mitch Trubisky. I my other I thought that they should cancel the Pro Bowl after Trevor Simeon got invited and then declined <laughs> <laughs> because he, he needed um voluntary non throwing shoulder surgery. He have didn't you, need it. He he thought it would be good. I wish uh, I. I'm going to ask this question, and you might get offended. Fine. Do I, you do, do you watch the Pro Bowl? And the reason I ask is because my guess is you've written something, some amazing column about the Pro Bowl, in which you're really into it, and I I, I missed it. So do do you watch it or not? Um, I when my job was like you have to. Uh, work from this hour to this hour on a certain day in the past, and that day was the Pro Bowl, I would watch it. Um, in the past few years, it's been the day that I fly to the Super Bowl. Yeah, me so too. I haven't, I, I've like maybe looked at it if I'm on JetBlue, <laughs> but most yeah. likely not. Uh, I, I don't think I would voluntarily watch it. It's also like a thing where I work for uh, 19 straight Sundays and even if I wasn't working, that would be like a prime brunch day. So, I mean, unless the NFL can find another day for me to have brunch without football. What just happened? Did you hear me? Yeah, no, I heard you. I'm just, I just, I'm trying to unpack this brunch take. Well, I, I mean, I like brunch. Sometimes you can get a lot of alcohol at brunch. And typically uh-huh. it's only like, it's, it's a weekend thing. And I, I watch mm-hmm. football Saturday and Sunday for... From, so uh, the Pro from Bowl, September the Pro Bowl, to the Pro Bowl falls on like one of the like four days yeah. I can have brunch with my girlfriend in uh-huh. in between uh, September and February. So that's okay. like kind of a a problem for me personally. <laughs> I don't know how that affects the rest of the NFL. Is, uh, I don't know which. <laughs> this conversation is one of the best things you've ever done at the ringer. Which, which Roger explained that he hates a Pro Bowl because it's time for brunch. Well, listen. <laughs> it's. I don't hate the Pro Bowl. It's just yeah. that it um, Trevor Simeon doesn't want to go because he's yeah. having brunch, <laughs> and I, I it's it's a brunch day for me too. Me and Trevor Simeon are going to meet up somewhere in Brooklyn and have brunch on the day of the Pro Bowl this year. Okay, we desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately have to get out of this. All right. Hey, wait, my take at the beginning was okay, and then it went. Jacoby Brissett <laughs> was a Pro Bowl alternate. Th- this year he is. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I'm just letting you. Know. I'm just, I'm looking at the Pro Bowl alternates, and I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm discouraged. All right. Let's get to mine. This is a. <laughs> This is, this is not a brunch take. More like Jacoby brunch. No, that's not work. So, oh lord. That's okay, not even so a thing. It is definitely not a thing. <laughs> it's definitely not a thing. So let's move on. Okay, <laughs> AJ, uh, AJ Green. Uh, his contract's running out. He is in the last year of his four-year, sixteen million dollar deal. He is a lifelong Bengal. He got hurt at the beginning of the season while playing on a high school field. And he, I, I, it is unclear to me if he's gotten healthy enough to play and is just not playing or he doesn't want to rush the injury. I don't, I'm actually completely unclear on that. And I think everybody else is too. But the point is he announced he is not playing the final two games of the season. Not a surprise since he's, he's missed the whole season and obviously uh, had that serious injury in August. Now, he comes out today. And he says the franchise tag it would be a problem because it shows that he's not committed. They're, they're not committed to the Bengals in that circumstance. He has to protect himself. Completely understandable from A.J. Green. Here's my take. A.J. Green is 31 years old. He has played a lot of Bengals football. He's had to watch 
a lot of Bengals football. My take is that you should not be able to use the franchise tag on a player over 30 years old. Yeah, that makes sense. The NBA has protections like that where if you've been in the league long enough and if you've been on the same team long enough, you have different yeah, contracts yeah. Well, available that's the, to that's you. That's the opposite, which is that you can, that's bird rights and that benefits the player getting more money and they so then they essentially are, they don't count against the cap in the same way, whatever. But I think AJ Green would just probably want the option to leave. Uh, yes. Yes. He, because he's... <laughs> So that's what I'm saying. It's the opposite of bird rights, right? Where it's just like he actually would like to be able to test the open market. Problem is you can essentially tag him three times if you wanted to. So the, the, the receiver tag next year is $18 million. That's quite nice. But what if A.J. Green... I'm Listen, A.J. Green has been a, a loyal soldier for the Cincinnati Bengals. And if he wants to stay, I'm fine with that. But if he wants to just go like play for the Dolphins and hang out in Miami, I, and that's fine. That he, I hope those are years, only two options. Dollars. <laughs> Would you rather play for the Dolphins or the Bengals? They're playing well, okay, yes. play for the Dolphins or Bengals. The, they, the, he should be on the line on Sunday. Oh, winner the, winner, <laughs> it, the winner, winner of gets, that game gets A.J. Green? And the loser gets Joe Burrow. Uh, I, well, well, the Dolphins cannot get Joe Burrow, unfortunately, for, <laughs> uh, for them. True, true. No, but yeah, if, if the NFLPA should figure out something where... I mean, the franchise tag is sort of this move from the owners to restrict player movement. And that it would be nice if once players were veteran enough, they didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, because the point of the franchise tag, obviously, is to depress salaries and these sort of market setting deals. And guys like Aaron Rodgers, when they know they have two years left in their contract, well, it might actually be five years. And you're more likely because you never test the open market to take a deal for maybe a little bit less than than you would, or in some cases, a lot less, okay? Kirk Cousins got to the open market and got a fully guaranteed $84 million deal because he played for the franchise tag game and he wanted to wait that out. But I think if you're just kind of staring down at a franchise tag and you're 31 years old, I mean, listen, the Bengals could just tag him three times and then essentially his career is over, right? He's 34 years old and he's a receiver. And at some point, you just don't get to go do whatever you want to do. And so this is, for me, I think that it's just... It's it's discouraging if you're a player and you've signed one con- two contracts with the team. Obviously, your rookie contract as well, and you're AJ Green. He's made a lot of money from the Bengals. I understand that, but I just think that there's got to be a way for a player like AJ Green to switch teams if he so chooses. Because being a 31 year old getting tagged, facing the tag multiple times, it's it's not good. With the exception of quarterbacks, I feel like the end of NFL careers are like exceedingly unglamorous and generally involves someone like bouncing around from team to team in like sad situations and well they also like it's like the reggie wayne thing they all just go play for the patriots for like a week and then get unceremoniously cut yeah yeah and it, it it's part of that is just the market but it it's really not set up well to to help out players aj green should be allowed to do whatever the hell he wants i i do not believe that the the Week 16 Bengals Dolphins game should determine his future because at this we point should. in his career he should he he is he has I, listen, paid his time. He's been loyal to Cincinnati. He might just want to stay in Cincinnati. For sure. But I just want to give I want to usher in the era of player empowerment for the NFL, specifically for AJ Green. Yeah. And I, I like how you said like he was playing on a high school field. That wasn't his choice. That was a Bengals decision. Am I correct? That <laughs> yes. The Bengals yeah, the ba- made them. the Bengals. The Bengals to celebrate the NFL's 100th anniversary practice on a field in like Dayton or something. I believe it was Dayton. They were like, "Yeah, let's let's to celebrate the 100th anniversary. Let's ruin our best player's season to celebrate the NFL's history of like ruining players' lives." <laughs> the hundred years. Of- <laughs> and I thought I thought your brunch steak was bad. Uh, do you want to quickly get <laughs> get, get uh, you want to get big mad about the? Uh, the NFL top players list all time. Wow, I'm so big mad about it. Th- uh, thanks for bringing it up voluntarily. I, you said no, but you've been saying in Slack for weeks that you just you've decided to get big mad about it. I just didn't want to know if you want to do 30 seconds on it. Yeah, it's like hilarious how few players from the last 30 years of the NFL 100 years. It's like there are basically no players that have been drafted since 2000. Uh, very few drafted in between 1990 and 2000, and that. 
seems wrong. Like, it's one thing, if I was making the list, it would be stacked with players from the recent eras because I think they're obviously better in every way. Uh, And it seems like they've gone the opposite road and they're like, you know what was much better than J.J. Watt? 1927. Yeah. Well, were you there? I didn't. No, I wasn't. And I didn't see it because they didn't film the games because they didn't have cameras. (laughs) They had a guy on the radio saying, and the Dayton pros have moved the ball to the 27-yard line. That's the biggest gate of the day. Three yards. A hundred years later, A.J. Green hurt himself in that field. Exactly. I think the Dayton team was the triangles, actually. They were. They Mm -hmm. were. Canton Bulldogs. (laughs) A lot of greats back then. (laughs) Roger Sherman, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Sorry about the brunch. Okay, Danny Kelly, The Ringer's Dark Knight. Danny, I kind of like when we have multiple guests. It makes me feel like a a talk radio guy. The one thing I can't (laughs) do, the one thing I can't do is when you call into a talk radio thing as a guest, I'm sure you've had this, they just are just in the middle of a take until you get on. They've just come up with a take to fill exactly the time needed until you can come on the phone and then they just seamlessly transition into it and you get to listen to it. I wish I could just could like have a fiery take right now for exactly 16 seconds and think, okay, Danny Kelly's in the line, <laughs> but I can't. Daniel, how are you, buddy? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Action-packed episode. Yeah. You're one of three guests. <sighs> nice. But you're the only one doing the games. I'm the only one. Wow, that is an honor. Thank you. Packers, Vikings. I love this game. So the, obviously... Three huge division games this weekend. Mm -hmm. Packers, Vikings, Eagles, Cowboys. And then I would put Rams 49ers in there, although that's not the same because that's not going to determine anything. But it is a big game within the NFC West. We're going to start with Packers, Vikings. I like this game. Tell me what's going to happen. So just big picture, when you gave me the list of teams and games that we're going to be running through, my first impression was that like, all six of these teams, it's just hard to figure out who any of them are, really. Um, I think the Packers might be the biggest. I actually have I actually have a pretty I have a pretty good handle on who the Eagles and Cowboys are, but we're gonna get to that in a second. <laughs> Bad? Okay. Um yeah. no, but yeah, so <laughs> yes. the Packers, Packers win, they clinch this division. Uh if the Vikings win, they clinch a playoff spot. Um I wanted to focus a little bit more on the Vikings just because I think they're one of the more fun teams to watch this season, especially since week five when they kind of turned their season around. They were two and two, kind of trudging along, and then they decided to essentially just change their offense to everything that Kirk Cousins does really well, and that meant just an incredible amount of play action. It's almost exactly like what the Titans are doing. You ready for this one? Yeah. Field Yates had this. Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs have linked up for 13 catches for 575 yards on throws traveling over 20-plus yards in the air, the most of any quarterback wide receiver duo this season. Um, when I was going through the All-22 of their play-action game, I used this, mm-hmm. this analogy when I was writing my article back in like week eight or something like that. She's it looks like a murmur. looks like a murmuration of of like swallows where you know how they all fly like in, in together, but it's all crazy. Like um, that's what their offense looks like to me. It's like you, you got the line going one way. You got a couple of receivers going the other direction. Kirk Cousins swings around on a bootleg, throws it deep down the field. It's like it's beautiful football. Um, I've got some stats for you on their play action because it's absolutely absurd what they've been doing this season. Kirk Cousins has a 34.7% play action rate per PFF. That's second only to Lamar Jackson this season. Going back to week five, I should say, when they kind of changed their whole structure. Cousins on play action, league high, 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns, and 149 pass rating. Those are all league highs. Zero picks, 75% completion rate, 10.7 yards per attempt. So their play action deep passing game is absolutely explosive. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, so that's basically what I'm looking forward to watching this week. And, and the other thing that I was just going to kind of throw out there is it's, it's Mike Boone season, potentially my guy, Mike Boone, the, their third string running back who is just a preseason superstar might end up being their starter this week with, uh, Dalvin cook and and Madison out. So those are some fun things to kind of look forward to for Monday. There's been a shocking amount over the past few years of Mike Boone hype. (laughs) For the amount that he's actually played in the regular season, I'd say it's probably way too much. Um, but he's just been absolutely awesome in the preseason, we're not a, just like a world we're not beater. At Christine Michael levels. <laughs> That's true. I don't. Hype really to actual to, carries. 
It'd be hard to reach that. I actually remember, I still feel like embarrassed about this on the podcast, probably like three years ago. Mays asked me who the best running backs in the NFL were. And I think I put Kristen Michael on there and he told me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, God. So, and, and I deserved that 100%. So anyways, yeah, it's yeah, not reaching you, Kristen you Michael quite yet, but we're getting there. Yeah, you did deserve that. Um, so the weird hubbub this week is Kirk Cousins versus Aaron Rodgers for the Pro Bowl. And I think the Pro Bowl should be abolished. I don't want to do a third straight. I don't want to do a third straight segment in which we talk about the Pro Bowl. Okay. I'm just not going to do it. But the big weird flap this week has been Rodgers versus Cousins for the Pro Bowl. And they they put Dak Prescott uh, in that category too because Prescott, like Cousins, has not made the Pro Bowl um, mm. this year. So here's my question. Is Aaron Rodgers... A great quarterback? Is he a good quarterback? Where are we right now on Aaron Rodgers, pro bowler, getting in over Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott? <laughs> I think my positioning on Aaron Rodgers is that he's he still has an elite tool set, but he's it's just been hard to watch him play lately because of the way that he holds the football and dances around behind the pocket. I actually pulled these stats up from ESPN. Um, he averaged 2.3, 2.83 seconds to throw and was sacked just once in that win last week against the Bears. However, he only completed six of 21 passes on those plays where it was more than two and a half seconds, which was his single worst completion rate over the last four seasons. So he's dropping back, looking around, trying to make things happen, lots of throwaways. This has kind of been the story over the last couple of years. Obviously, he can still make throws that you know very few quarterbacks can make he's still very talented but just the way that he operates in that offense is just very un just doesn't have a lot of rhythm you know and he's actually averaged 189 yards passing over the last five games in per game and so I mean that's just not an explosive offense right now especially in the passing game obviously they run essentially their whole offense through Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and everyone else in that offense at least to my eye, it is just kind of slow. It looks like they're like running in mud. So it's just, it's not an entertaining offense to watch for the most part, other than Aaron Jones when he's ripping off big runs. But yeah, I, I just don't like it. it Rodgers just to me just doesn't feel in sync at all. Talk me out of thinking that the Vikings are a bigger NFC contender than we think. And a weird NFC, I listen, you can't take one game and extrapolate it, but Niners beat the Saints. The Saints lose a weird game to the Falcons. Just starting to think a little bit about the NFC and whether or not there's a weird team that can go on sort of a run here. I don't, it does not yeah. like the AFC to me, where the AFC has Lamar Jackson, that Baltimore defense in, in one corner, New England, who does their thing in the other corner. And then <laughs> I guess this is a triple threat match I'm describing here. And then Kansas City Chiefs, who are, who have still the best passer in the game. Right. So where are we in the NFC? And are the Vikings. Talk me out of the Vikings being a bigger contender than I thought three weeks ago. <laughs> I think my argument would be like Kirk Cousins' big game, I guess, mm-hmm. reputation or whatever. But I actually agree with you that I think the Vikings are being overlooked right now. And, and that was kind of one of my impressions is looking over these games is like the Vikings are a lot better than I think anyone is sort of talking about. They don't, they seem to be flying under the radar a lot right now. They have good defense. I think it's sixth in DVOA this season. Um, a lot of playmakers are getting Adam Thielen back essentially, or in theory, pretty soon here. You know, obviously Dalvin Cook's status is up in the air, but this is a good offense, lots of play action, good defense, very balanced. Um, they can hit explosive plays to score points. I don't know. I, I, I don't think I can talk you out of it other than kind of like the cliche Kirk Cousins shrinks under the spotlight, but, um, I don't know if that will necessarily be true going forward this year. Yeah, if that's the worst part of the Vikings experience right now, which is that there's a, a, a narrative out there on Kirk Cousins, I'm actually more excited about the Vikings <laughs> than I was before I asked that question. All right, who wins? <laughs> that's a good question. I think I'm going with the Vikings in this one. They're playing at home. You know, they're playing to clinch a playoff spot. And I just think they're a little bit more balanced than the Packers at this point. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to agree with that. In Minnesota, I'm in. I like the Vikings. All right, next game, Eagles-Cowboys. We have Chris <laughs> Ryan on in a little bit to talk about this. Carson Wentz, more fun. I, I asked him about this, but I'm also going to ask you about this. Can we? Can Carson Wentz just stop fumbling? He has 23 <laughs> fumbles the last two years. 
Daniel Jones does have more. Congratulations yeah. to the Giants on drafting Daniel Jones. But at this point, I just don't know why Carson Wentz keeps turning the ball over. <laughs> it's so frustrating because it's just like you can see a lot of the fumbles coming from like a mile away. He's just sitting there in the pocket, waiting a little bit too long, trying to make something happen. Obviously, he's he made a reputation in his career for these Houdini type plays, but a lot of the time it just ends up being a disaster because he loses it at the last second. So um, I was going to actually ask you, who do you, who do you want to win this game? Cause it's a de facto yeah. NFC title game, right? So do you NFC have a East, favorite? NFC East title game. It's certainly not the de facto Sorry. NFC title game. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Let, yeah. So that's a great clear. question. Yeah. That's a great question. So from a fan of football perspective is what you're asking. And yeah. I actually yeah. think it's the Eagles and here's why. Okay. I don't. I, I would like to see Dak Prescott thrive in a way that I think Dak Prescott's going to thrive one day, whether that's 2020, 2021, 2022, whatever. I think right. Dak Prescott is is going to be a very, very, very good quarterback, even better than he is right now. I think he's probably the third best quarterback in the NFL this year, according to a lot of the PFF guys, a lot of the, that, that kind of stuff. And... I want Jason Garrett to get fired, and I, I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. say that. I don't yeah. say that lightly. I mean, like this is somebody's job. I, I just don't. But Jason Garrett's made a whole lot of money, <laughs> right? Uh, he's the. He's had that job since 2011. He'll be fine. He'll go coach the Giants or something. <laughs> I don't. When I say I want someone to get fired, yeah. like I don't. I it's it's usually uh, with hesitation. I actually For think sure. Jason Garrett's just going to be fine. We're good. We're good on that. And so I think that if the Cowboys win the division and then win the playoff game, all of a sudden old loyal Jerry decides, oh, let's just keep him. Yeah. Let's just keep him. And I think yeah. that they they need, they need the Jerry Jones is to let the Cowboys be great. They gotta they well, gotta exercise the demons. They have to have like this come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Well, I also don't even know like I from a from a from a football perspective watching this game, I don't know what to think. Like, right. I, I, these teams have laid so many eggs. The Eagles lost to the Dolphins, dude. <laughs> the Eagles lost to the Dolphins yeah. and the Cowboys lost to the Jets. Yep. What in I'd the say. world? I, I have no answers for you on that. Though, I, this, that those two teams. teams are playing for the division championship at Fox <laughs> on Fox at 425 p.m. And like 40 million people are going to watch it, including us. And we're going to love it. <laughs> so the other the other thing that I was going to ask you about this, and this is kind of not this is not the playoff discussion or whatever, but it's just like a philosophical thing. When I watch this offense. The first thing I think of is I wish they would give Tony Pollard the ball more because that guy is so fun to watch. Um, but they they seem to be very, very dialed in to the Zeke is the foundation of our offense. They were talking about getting back to their DNA this this week, and which I assume just means like balance football, run Zeke, you know, down people's throats and, and then play balanced football. Um, I guess the question is like, are they better off being this team that they want to be? Or are they better off being like kind of what we saw early in the season where Dak was the one that was running the shows? Dak was the guy the offense was going like running through. Um, you know, and, and obviously we've seen him in garbage time over the last month. He hasn't he hasn't been playing that well, but I kind of feel like they just are going in the wrong direction. It, they just want to be, it's like the Seahawks kind of, they want to be this team that's not as good as they could be. I don't know. It's just super <laughs> yeah. frustrating. So yeah, I, 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 I do love, I do love every week. Some reporter just tweets out that the Cowboys always win when Zeke Elliott gets like 25 touches or whatever. Like yeah. the, every single week For the, we, we do that. It's and it's like updated every single week. Like no matter whether they won or lost, or Zeke touched it, touched that twenty four times a day. It's just like someone with a million followers tweets that out, and then everybody gets angry about it and new. And it's like we didn't do this last week. So it's so so freaking true, man. It's so, like this will happen till the end of time. Uh, so I mean, I guess the Cowboys shouldn't have given Ezekiel Elliott all that money, right? And uh, that's probably. The most important thing is not signing him to a fifty million dollar guaranteed contract. It's <laughs> over six years worth ninety million dollars total. So that would be my first piece of advice. But 
yeah, having yeah. said that, I think that there is a little bit of that just as far as justifying what what they've done from a personnel standpoint. I also think that I guess in a vacuum, Elliot can provide some value. I mean, he can still we can still see him. He still has these sort of powerful runs that we can see. I right. don't think that I don't. I mean, listen, he has looked really average for a large stretch of this season. But you know, it's if Zeke Elliott is your problem, I think that's a nice problem to have. But the problem is they've just been so inconsistent and yeah. poorly coached and lack creativity, and their play calling is just so strange that I actually don't think. Their running game, Zeke Elliott is not the problem. Giving Zeke Elliott $50 million might be the problem one day, but it's not right, the problem right. right now. That is not the problem right now. I mean, that it is it is a a Jason Garrett problem. And, and I don't know, man. It's a it's it's a it's a tough, tough season for them. I think I guess the Eagles are gonna win this game because it's at home. I think that's actually a really good point, though, that you, what you're saying about Zeke, you know, obviously long term, maybe that's not like the highest <laughs> value thing that they could have done. He's not the issue now. Um, the one stat that kind of stood out to me about the, the Cowboys and one of the big reasons maybe that they're underachieving so much, they're not getting any turnovers. They're fifth worst in turnovers this year with 15 takeaways. So they're just not getting it done in that area. And um, the other thing that, I instantly kind of like attached this to the to the Cowboys when I heard it. But Belichick, did you see that Belichick saving kind of doc or whatever? There I was did. one. There was one quote that came out of that. I think it was from Belichick that said, "Good players cannot overcome bad coaching." And I immediately thought of the Cowboys, and I was just like, "Man, yeah," because they're like the most talented bad team in the NFL right now. Or I thought of like, at least I saw that too, and I thought of like twenty different teams. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's that's kind of grim, but yeah, that's true. Um, it sure is grim. <laughs> All right, let's get to the last one: 49ers Rams. I was in San Francisco last week. Mm-hmm. Hit me with this. Hit me with this. What are we thinking after after a a extremely disappointing result for the Falcons? Excuse me, against the Falcons. Right. Uh, listen, this is going to be a. Niners Seahawks next week matchup that determines everything, yeah. but they probably shouldn't lose this game. <laughs> right. I think so. To me, this is kind of the Jimmy Garoppolo's big audition and not audition, I guess is not the right word, but it, it's the Jimmy Garoppolo show now. Um, and he mm-hmm. kind of has to prove, I think, that he can put the team on his back. And he's played really, really well over basically going back to week eight when they blew out the, the um, Panthers. He's been really good 19 touchdowns, five interceptions in that stretch. 110 passer rating. He's cut down on his turnovers, which was a huge, huge problem in the early part of the season. They had just an incredible amount of turnovers, and, and they were just really sloppy on offense. Um, but just based on kind of how their team is is built right now, they're they're really banged up on defense. Richard Sherman's been out. Sounds like he's going to be back uh, this week. D. Ford has been out. Jaquiski Tart, I think, is out. Probably going to be out this week. Um, they're just really banged up on defense, and and I think that puts the onus on the offense to really, you know, pick up the slack. And the book on the the 49ers, you know, stopping the 49ers, you have to stop the run game because they have like the most explosive, efficient offense, a run game, I should say, in the NFL. And early in the season, I mean, we saw like they could just run over anybody. And it was like kind of throwing a wrench in the whole like, um, you know, passing is much more efficient than running kind of argument because they were running so efficiently that they really didn't need to pass early on in the season. And now um, I think teams are definitely loading up to stop the run. They're putting, you know, an extra guy in the box. They're just like putting all their, you know, chips down on stopping the run and and basically asking Garoppolo to beat you. Um, And the problem with that is like, they don't have a great receiving core. Like Debo Samuel is exciting rookie. He's done really good stuff. He's still a rookie. Emmanuel Sanders has been really hot and cold. And basically, they've just been forced to force-feed Kittle. And Kittle's awesome, but you know their, their receiving core isn't necessarily where it could be. And so that puts a lot of pressure on Garoppolo to be perfect and be really good. And so I think that's the story of this game. That's the story of next week. I think teams are going to try and stop their run game and, and ask Jimmy Garoppolo to beat them. And I guess the story will be, can Garoppolo do that? I think based on how he's played over the last few weeks... There's definitely some promise there, but they definitely did have a uh, a letdown game this last week. If Garoppolo and Goff switched roles, <laughs> who would have the better numbers? My God, 
I think Garoppolo. Yeah, I have I very so little too. faith. I have very little faith in Goff right now. I just think the way he I deals so with too. pressure. I think I'm with yeah. you. The way that those two players deal with pressure is very different. Like Garoppolo, um, you know, for the lack of a better word, has a little bit of moxie under pressure. Like he can make things happen, um, you know, to the point where you, you're comfortable with him with a blitzer in his face. Goff, not the case. Like, I don't trust him with a blitzer in his face, if that makes any sense. And so I don't trust him doing anything. I trust him hitting a <laughs> wide open guy with 20 yards of separation. And even not, even <laughs> if Jason, if Jason McCordy is nearby, I don't even trust that. <laughs> if Jason McCordy is within that state. Your tweet the other day about Goff's, uh, his um, contract. Contract. Well, that's the other thing. Going up to thirty-six Dude, million, he's making thirty-six million dollars against the cap <laughs> next year. What in the world? Oh my god! It's gonna like, be. I, oh my god! How are they gonna get way, themselves out of this? I, I yeah. wasn't actually that like outraged when I saw the initial contract when it was first signed. I was kind of lukewarm on the on the takes on this podcast. And right. as he gets worse and worse, it's just like, man, this is this is abysmal. <laughs> they don't have any yeah. first round picks not good. they have it's a quarterback good. making 36 million dollars like Vic Fangio and freaking Matt Patricia showed everyone how to dunk on you <laughs> I, it's, it's oh, shocking the, the fall from grace we thought maybe like the the Seahawks win was going to be kind of a get right game for them and they just got completely annihilated by the, uh, by the aforementioned Cowboys who have not been great so yeah that was I guess they're not back is the point. All right. Niners win this one. I think so. Yeah. I think it's going to, I think they'll win. They're at home and I think it's going to set up an awesome uh, week 17, like showdown with the Seahawks. So yeah, it's going to be fun. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, who didn't see when that Seahawks Niners showdown? Oh God, dude. I don't know. How should I know? Um, it's going to be one of those, <laughs> it's going to be one of those games. I mean, I'm going to say the Seahawks, but I, I have absolutely zero confidence in that to be honest. <laughs> oh, oh, we got a Roger Sherman brunch take on the last on the last segment, and now we've got Danny saying, "How did, how should I know?" To a <laughs> predicted question on a football that was, game. <laughs> is that the most honest take you'll get in this pod? I think is no. Like, I think that Roger I Sher- Roger Sherman's brunch take was pretty honest. <laughs> what was it? It was that he doesn't necessarily like the Pro Bowl because he wants to brunch on that particular day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Time to get to Chris Ryan. Danny Kelly, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you, man. We bring in, ahead of the classic division-deciding Philadelphia Eagles-Dallas Cowboys game, Philadelphia zone, the ringer zone, Chris Ryan. Chris, what's the weather like in Philly right now? Uh, it's cold, but you know, the, the rivalry is still high. This is such a rivalry game, man, because it's like, amazing. This is so it's going to determine so much. Uh, it, it could be de- determining Jason Garrett's job. It could determine how people feel about Carson Wentz. It's going to determine how people feel about this entire season and two of the biggest football c- cities. It's going to be incredible. This is, are you hosting the Fox pregame show? That was an amazing sell. <laughs> But you know what the thing that's weird is? is This is the thing I really wanted to talk to you about. Okay. You know how there are some teams that are lovable underperformers and then there are teams that are underperformers and you're just like, you're just underperforming and this is actually not entertainment. I I, I think the Eagles kind of fall into the ladder this year. I agree with that. But I also think that's because of the success they've had. I would also put another team in there would be the Dallas Cowboys. But I also think, and this is a very different category, but like the Steelers... If if you just took the name Steelers off of what's happening there, where they're going to make the playoffs with Duck Hodges, people yeah. would be like, this, if they did this in Tennessee, they'd be like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. We love this team. And instead, it's like, <laughs> eh, whatever. Um, yeah, I just right. think I, I just think when you're an established brand that's had success, no one cares, right? And so, like, there's going to be no lovable underdogness in any NFC East team, um, and particularly a team like the Eagles or the Cowboys who have yearly success. Um, well, and it's also the, the problem is that the feel-good stories on the Eagles, guys like Greg Ward, I mean, this is literally one week of feeling good, but yeah. guys like Greg Ward or Boston Scott or even Miles Sanders probably being better than Saquon Barkley. That's a feel good story. Yeah. The, the, the feel good is dampened by the fact that 
should it have come to this? Should we really be in a position where we're relying yeah. on ex Houston quarterbacks and guys named Boston to redeem this season? Well, the the Cowboys are in the same boat here. Like they they're, they they are also in the why are we here category. So you guys right. are just sort of two characters looking for an exit here. Um, I'm excited. I like that it's in Philly because it's going to get dark. It'll probably be dark pregame. It's a 4:30 game. It'll be dark and it will cold. Be dark. It will and be it, it seem, it, I feel I feel like it's the kind of game where someone makes a massive mistake at like 630 Eastern time and it's just cold and desolate. And, and I, I it is a it's funny because Brian Curtis exactly predicted this like two months ago. He was like, aren't these two teams just going to circle around until some dark game in late December? And I was like, yeah, that that, that sounds about right. Um, so are people excited about this? This Eagles team in Philadelphia? I know you said they're not lovable underdogs or anything but are people up for this game considering the circumstances chris yeah because i think it also means even if nobody really could possibly expect the eagles to progress much in the playoffs taking it from dallas matters still and exacting that price and 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 frustrating that franchise would be worth it He's like, we, I, I feel like that's still such a relevant thing in Philadelphia fandom and in the psychology of Eagles fans. I don't know if, I don't know if Curtis sits around being like, as long as we can stop the Eagles from succeeding, I don't know how much of a one way road this is, but I definitely am so invested in this. Like if our season was coming down to playing against the Redskins, yeah, uh, I don't know that I would have, I don't know that I would care as much. But isn't that just because the Redskins have been bad? Like, if you were born in 1960 and the Redskins were the team of the 80s and the early 90s, you probably hate the Redskins so much. The rivalry is just because of all the big games they've played. Yes, and also just, like, the weird, like, across-the-country psychological battle, like, two X-Men shooting beams at each other through their brains. Like, I don't even... I don't even <laughs> I've never even been to Dallas. It's not like Dallas is on Amtrak. It's just, like, this weird figment of my imagination where they're the big bad wolf. You've never been to Dallas? No, I haven't. Why would I go? Why would I, I go to I, Dallas? I, for work? I mean, like, we... I don't know. There might have been some event there. There's a lot go, of teams there. Saw capture sports the magic in of Michael Finley? No, I've never been to <laughs> Dallas. Yeah, there's not a Dallas film festival. We don't, I don't really, there's not like a lot of action in Dallas for me. All right, Carson Wentz has. Yeah, let's talk about him. Yeah, so he has, he has more fumbles than basically anybody. Uh, in the last two years, he is number one. Um, he has 23 fumbles the last two years. Where are we on Carson Wentz now? Because I feel like we have discussion every week and it changes and the Eagles are the type of fan base that is so big and vibrant and has such a community that I feel like they can just change direction on how they feel about everything from one week to the next. That is kind of what sports talk radio and the internet has brought. And so I, I, you know, I think that if Carson Wentz wins this game on Sunday, he will be considered a a hero forever and all the money they paid him is worth it in the draft capital. Having said that right now, before the game, where's Philadelphia and Carson Wentz? So it's an incredibly short memory because if you just take that touchdown pass to Miles Sanders against the Redskins, that's everything you need to know about why Eagles fans are into this guy, are obsessed with this guy, are fine with this guy, of betting on this guy over somebody like Nick Foles who won the Super Bowl for the Eagles. Yeah. Like that kind of playmaking, that kind of ingenuity, and that cannon that he's got is why Eagles fans are into him. But I think that that we are at a sort of sort of a crossroads where his lack of attacking talent, you know, his play, lack of playmaking talent that he's got at his dipo- disposal, has gotten us to the point where it's like every time he rolls out and it's like Carson's just going to make something happen here. It's yeah. like no, he's not. No, he's not. Like he, th- this is actually not the team where you can do that. And he is not Brett Favre. And so that's why I think you're seeing him like lose the ball so much is because he's rolling out like somehow. Like Deshaun Jackson's going to squirm free. Yeah. There's no Deshaun Jackson is not coming through that door. Like this is it. It's JJ Ortega Whiteside. It's these like also rands and pick me ups. And I don't know if we're really seeing the real Carson Wentz, but the problem is I don't know if we've ever seen the real Carson Wentz. Ooh, that's a nice little take. I see. It's, it's funny to me. In, it's, no, I know what you're saying. The question there is, is First three months of 2017, when he was like an MVP candidate, was that the real Carson Wentz or was that 
the outlier. I don't actually know the answer to that. Um, it, when Joe Burrow was being scouted by Todd McShay this week, I thought this was kind of funny. There was this. T- uh, did you see the tweet where he said uh, a lot of yeah. people were comparing him to Andy Dalton, but I compare him to Carson Wentz? And I feel like everybody took that actually to mean a negative on both ends. And I think people forget how good of a prospect. I mean, he was the number two overall pick, obviously. But Carson Wentz on his best day is still really good and very toolsy. Like this is not Carson Wentz is is not a bust. There's just a lot of circumstances that have gotten him here to where maybe things are heading south. Yeah, and he's also just playing blackjack without a net. And I think that probably Seahawks fans might relate to this experience where Russell Wilson's gambling has now become the norm, I think. So we just accept that as part of like his on-field persona. It's like Russell's just going to go out there and make something happen. Danger us. Carson doesn't have that reputation yet. So we're like, does he know what he's doing? Is this part of the package? Or is this some sort of aberration slash he's not playing within this system that Doug has? So I, I think the jury's still out on that, but... Maybe it's just time spent. Like maybe in two seasons, if he's still doing this kind of miracle working slash throwing the game away, we'll be it. We'll just accept that as part of the package. Hey, Chris, I I will want to point out a minor difference here. Uh, when Russell Wilson gambles, he typically throws a touchdown, and Carson Wentz fumbles. So yes, so I will that. say that's a slight difference. But other than Se- that, Seahawks you're, hands have that going for them. Yeah, you're dead on. Okay, all right. Last thing, we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get you out of we'll, we'll get you out of it on here uh, on this one, Chris. If things, so you don't think that that makes any sense? Who would you forget Joe Burrow and who you're comparing Joe Burrow to? Okay. Who would you compare Carson Wentz to at this point in his in his in his career? Oh, I mean, it's such been such a weird career. Yeah. It's been such a weird career, and so I don't know. I mean, listen, we don't have a whole lot of sample size with some of these quarterbacks who've come up in this new era. So it's hard to statistically say anything. That was the kind of the funny thing about Jameis Winston this week is everyone's running these, these uh, statistical comparisons. And all of these guys are either like they played in the early two thousands or like the 1980s. Cause nobody throws interceptions like Jameis Winston. Right. So yeah. it's hard for me to sort of make those quarterback comparisons. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I do know that when he came out, I remember talking to Brad Childress about this. He was seen as like the perfect blend of the college spread and sort of the NFL style pro principles that everybody still talked about in 2016. There were enough or 2017 that there were enough. Uh, there were there were enough elements in that Eagles offense that were going to just bring the best out of him. I just remember all the hype around him and believing in that. And then we saw him in 2017 cash in on that hype. And I just feel like every, that that's been burning everybody's brains to the point that I don't. I think he's going to get a longer leash, even if he continues to not be that great. Even if the Eagles have another down season next year, obviously the contract is by far the biggest part of this whole thing. But then the second thing is that we've, we as a football watching uh, nation have seen how good Carson Wentz is. And so I just think that, I don't know. I, it's it, it's a very, very peculiar thing. But let's get you out on this one. If oh, things wait, I, don't- Can I ask you one more oh, question? Yeah. Because I, 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 I think that Wentz is always going to be associated with golf because of the, the draft class. Yes. But if you had to pull a thousand neutral NFL fans and say, who would you rather be your quarterback, golf or Wentz? Who wins the election? I think it's Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Wentz because also I think that everyone sort of understands Listen, it's unfair because Carson Wentz never had to get coached by Jeff Fisher. Like that is such a bad experience for a quarterback that I don't even, I don't know. Like I would love to see, I wouldn't wish this upon anybody. I'd love to see like Patrick Mahomes under Jeff Fisher. Like I'd love to see that hypothetical. Yeah. What does that yeah, look yeah. like? And so because we've seen that, I think that everybody assumes that golf is actually, especially kind of analytics Twitter kind of assumes golf is quite a bad quarterback and that he's a McVay play action, open space kind of guy. I think the answer is somewhere in the middle, but I think that because we've never seen Wentz like that, and obviously like, like golf has played since the super bowl and a little bit, you know, against obviously Fangio and Patricia, he hasn't had that sort of lull in his play that Wentz. And so I think that, uh, because Wentz has another sort of lull, I'm giving the nod to Wentz, right? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, if if they lose the Eagles on Sunday uh-huh. and it's just a lost season for them and next year is a lost season 
and things just why never. Ne- why would next year be? No, 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 no. This Jesus. is my hypothetical. This is my hypothetical. <laughs> okay. Listen, yeah. I pick them. I pick them like the Super Bowl. I I think they'll be back next year. I'm running this hypothetical out. Okay. Uh huh. If this era of Eagles football never recovers and just cycles out, this is entirely hypothetical. I'm probably going to pick them to make the Super Bowl next year. The, what I'm getting at here, this is all hypothetical to get to one actual question. If the accomplishment that the only accomplishment that Doug Peterson ever has in Philadelphia is winning the Super Bowl and he stays, I don't know, two, three more years. If Wentz is out after this contract and never wins Super Bowl, how do you feel about this Eagles football, this Eagles era? Uh, elated. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. getting at. I just wanted I to mean, make it, sure. I actually think that because, uh, you know, recently this has been coming up a lot, specifically because of this Eagle season, but also just because we work with Bill, the idea of like, give it, you know, you, you have like the five years of no complaining right. after a championship. And I think Bill specifically like ruined that because he kept the teams he cheers for kept winning championships. So the concept of being grateful for that kind of gets perverted. But if we, if the Eagles were never to win another Super Bowl, I would still remember these guys so fondly for what they did. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm with you. That's what I was. I just wanted to make sure because that's the that's the sort of conversation that the five year rule is always kind of interesting to me because I don't know how different fan bases because the guy who invented the the, the five year rule, Bill Simmons, likes to complain like, you know, a couple of weeks after the Patriots win a Super Bowl. So I just wanted to check in on where we were with the Eagles, but it sounds like it's all good. You're still living in living in paradise. Yeah, living in paradise uh, in a wintry mix from what I hear. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Chris Ryan, enjoy the game. We'll be uh we'll be watching a cold, dark Philadelphia game like like the football gods intended. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. All right, thanks to Roger Sherman, Danny Kelly, and Chris Ryan. And thanks for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll be back Sunday night. You know the risks of driving drunk. There could be a crash, people could get hurt or killed. You could get arrested, incur huge legal expenses, and possibly even lose your job. You know the consequences of driving drunk, and you're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over.